Hey, this is Barbara Corker, and you are now tuned in to Business Unusual. And everything you ever learned about business, throw it out the window. I'm going to tell you the real deal. Listen in. Today, I'm going to answer all your burning questions about work, life, starting a company, getting on track, and much, much more. Be sure to call in to the Business Unusual hotline with your question at 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Hey, you're going to get a kick out of a fiery young woman itching to expand her business from her one tiny shop in Dallas to get a load of this Australia. But of course, how about that one? I'm going to also give some straight talk to a really devoted husband who's helping his wife with her business online and wants her to open a brick and mortar shop. Should they? Shouldn't they? And is it even his business? Listen in. Hi, Barbara. My name is Lawrence Woodson. I'm the co-owner of an athleisure business in Dallas, Texas. I just have some questions for you about how to expand during the pandemic. We started our business online in March of 2020. And then in August of 2020, we bought a mobile boutique truck. We used that for nine months and went to all the different fitness studios, med spas, and just really got out in the community. Then in June, we opened a pop-up location, a brick and mortar for three months from June to September, just blew it out of the water. We were in an area of high tourism in Bishop Arts in Dallas. So then we opened our brick and mortar um, October 16th, and it's been going amazing. But long-term, we view ourselves having multiple stores. And so my question is, is navigating the pandemic, when do you take the leap and go for more? And when do you say, okay, let's hold back, rein in, and gain momentum, and then hit it when everything picks back up to normal. Do we even expect retail to hit back to normal? Pleasure. I understand you hired someone for your social media. Yes, you're absolutely. so damn good at it. Is that crazy coincidence? It So it is a crazy coincidence. I saw her um, talking about how she was on your podcast, and I first heard it um, in March, I think, 2020, when... Um, Ariel Charnas and Brandon were on your podcast. Yes. And so I started listening then. And then I saw that Lizzie was on it. And I was like, I have to listen to this because we um, were in the same sorority in college, not the same age, um, yeah. but knew each other. And so I listened to it and I was like, wow, I could actually really use the services that she's offering. So because of your podcast, I reached out to her and I've now been working for her with for 31 days. I'm so happy. I always feel like I work so hard to try to make a difference. And now you're making, she's making a difference to you too. That's passing it forward. I love it. (laughs) I love it so much. There's just like the one piece of advice that I was given when I started my business was like Mm -hmm. always reach for mentorships and help and advice and like always be looking for new avenues from that. And so it was really cool for that to come full circle and to be somebody that I already kind of knew. to help make my business more successful. So three, three cheers for you, Lawrence, three cheers for Lizzie as well. You know, it comes around, goes around. So um, I'm curious how you've gotten your ideas through COVID because your clever idea of the truck, the pop-up store, it sounds like the sequence and the creative thought you had to deliver your business a different way has been pretty constant. How do you come up with those ideas? So um, the bus idea happened naturally with the pandemic. It was just us responding to what we were seeing in terms of retail and like what customers were willing to do at that time. 
Um, my background was as a buyer in activewear pre-COVID. And then I lost that position. And my business partner and I teamed up. She's a small business financial advisor and CPA. Mm -hmm. um, so with retail, you know, that's usually an area that's lacking because the creative brain isn't as analytical. So, so thankful to have her. Um, but uh, we teamed up together to start this business because I had the know-how in the industry and had the right contacts. And then she knew how to, you know, keep a business in financial health. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. So we started with a very small amount of capital and went online in March of 2020. Mm -hmm. And then in August, we were hoping that we would be opening a store at that time. People weren't ready. Restaurants really weren't open yet here in Dallas. Um, so then we purchased a mobile boutique truck and went to all the different fitness studios in the Metroplex, um, med spas, um, different wellness events, and let people shop one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and it really helped build our customer base and also figure out where in the Metroplex we wanted to be. Uh -huh. Yes. So it was great market analysis. So we did that for nine months. And then from there, we were like, okay, we're ready to open a storefront, a little tight on capital. We have the truck for sale. So we did a pop-up location for three months mm -hmm. in Bishop Arts in Dallas. Um, and it just did amazing. It was June to September. Um, and this area is in the process of development. I mean, it's 19% activated on a 10-year plan, three years in. Mm -hmm. So um, most of Dallas's areas retail-wise are a bit been there done that for lack of better words uh -huh. like people are going parking going where they're going and getting back in their car mm -hmm. so bishop arts we were really drawn to because people just walk around all day it's like a resort type area of dallas it feels like you're not even in dallas it feels you know almost austin or like a beach town mm -hmm. um so we did that for three months and we knew okay this is a tourist area underdeveloped our sales are going to be bigger in summer spring break um christmas you know we knew the the travel seasons. Um, so we looked at our numbers and we were like, these are great. If we could have had all the inventory that we needed to like maximize our numbers. Hmm. Wow. So we went ahead and signed a lease for three oh, years okay. down the block and built out a space. We um, had to open five weeks late because of permitting issues, all COVID related stuff, you know? Yes. Not, not too bad. Um, and uh, yes. So we opened October 16th and we've been, um, brick and mortar open seven days a week, and then also online. Um, and, you know, because of COVID, we're seeing a lot of people that are still, you know, even if they are working in the office, it's still kind of hybrid, or it's a little bit more casual unless they're client facing. Mm -hmm. So people are still leaning into active wear because it's something that they can buy to make themselves feel good to start their day, even mm -hmm. if they're not working out. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, not just getting back into their pajamas, you know? Mm -hmm. I'd be curious about how your business is divided right now. You're still selling online, which I guess you did through the truck, through the pop-up store, and now you have a permanent location for three years. So you're, you've been selling online through all of that. Where do your sales split right now? How much are, are from the store and how much are online? Probably 90% in store, 10% oh, really? wow. online. If I had to estimate... Um, our online platform, I built it out myself. Um, so it's good, but it's not great. Uh -huh. And in terms of what we carry, our competitors are like Bandier, Carbon 38, Neiman's, Revolve, Nordstrom's. So people are already kind of trained to be on those sites. So people, hard to compete, but also it works to our benefit because if let's say Aloe Yoga is out of 
the airlift seven eighth legging and dark cactus and somebody really wants it and they google it then they're going to find our website so we often get mm. random website traffic from pennsylvania and vermont and mm. you know i reach out to them and i'm like hey how did you hear about us and they're like i actually just googled the product because the wow. brand was sold out yeah. um so was that, that by design was that by your own design and designing the website that you'd hook people in on particular product yes. you keep current on that so you've kind of discovered your sweet spot online right Absolutely. We figured out where to fill a need within the industry. Um, instead of, you know, being a small business, we know we're not going to immediately go up against Bandier or Carbon 38. And that's also not our model. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we did know like, okay, we need to SEO route our photos so that when people Google the actual name and the color, that mm -hmm. it's able to come up. Because mm -hmm. um, really where we differ is we bring in the upscale activewear pieces. Um, our age demographic is anywhere from 16 to 65 and, you know, uh, our model is upscale activewear, leisure and swimwear. But what we do differently is we merge like a traditional boutique with, you know, our competitors mm -hmm. and we bring in more boutique items like, you know, little blazers and things like that that are higher margin items, mm -hmm. um, which is really kind of our sweet spot. Mm, okay, a couple of things. Going around with your clever little truck was an answer to COVID, and you got the side benefit of finding out what retail locations were good, which weren't so good. And you landed on that particular call. Is it is it called Bishop Arch, you said? Bishop Arts, yes. Okay. Um, did you find other locations as well? Because I assume you're not in this for one shop. You want to open up other shops. It was implied between the lines, right? So did you find out a lot of other locations? Because that market survey, actually quite by accident, it's really useful. But could you do it again? Or do you know all the locations you want to open in beyond the first one that you're in right now? Absolutely. So um, we found a ton of different areas like Plano. Um, I wasn't familiar with Plano before. It's a mid city out here has grown so much since, you know, I was in high school. Like I, I mean, I didn't even recognize it. Um, so that was a really interesting location that I didn't expect to do insanely well. Um, but mostly it was like one off places in Dallas that did really well that weren't like shopping centers. They were more just like um, strip centers, just a little mm -hmm. bit more, like not as much destination retail. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what drove us to Bishop Arts, because right now it's mostly restaurants and bars, um, like art galleries and record stores and a couple mm -hmm. boutiques, like we're one of four um, mm -hmm. on this main area down here. But you could replicate that success of the retail location in a few other areas as well that you feel certain about, like Plano, the strip mall, somewhere else. You can replicate that again. You think you know the formula? I believe so, yes, um, because I was able to apply my past knowledge to make this um, successful and profitable in a certain amount of time and same with my business partner. So we've kind of built systems in place and we stay in our own lanes. Um, and then we merge when we need to keep each other in the loop on everything, but we're very confident that we could duplicate the concept. And we actually had a proposal to open, um, a franchise in an isolated market that would be overseas, mm. um, which we didn't go seeking. It just, a girl came in here and it, yes, it just came right to us. So we have been in conversation with that. So I was really interested to hear, you know, what your experience have, what your experiences have been doing business overseas. Mm -hmm. um, and if you think, you know, it's more trouble than it's worth um, knowing that it's a completely isolated market that can't get any of our brands 
um, except through Revolve. This location, the only like major retailer that is considered like a competitor, uh, like a big box to us is um, Revolve. And they do free shipping there, but they don't do returns. So they often have to order multiple sizes so that they prevent having weeks between getting the size that fits. So they'll order two and send one back, knowing that if they ordered one, they'd have to send it back probably anyways. Okay, Lawrence, I'm a little mixed up. Were you describing that as what happens overseas or you're talking about your local market about sending back blah 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 i'm talking about um the proposal her specific market overseas okay that specific location yes ma'am all right okay um i'll give you my honest opinion of that uh which i would say is not a good idea at this point in your in your game i mean you're going into it's sexy no doubt uh, you're going international, you go from your one local store, and now you have someone who wants to take you overseas to another country. It's very sexy, but the logistics on something like that is always more complicated somehow. I have many, many businesses I've invested in in Shark Tank, and they almost always get a proposal to go overseas on Shark Tank night. Uh, when usually before they're even thinking of having a franchise, they're on their first or second store and now they could go overseas. Um, I've seen two, two of my entrepreneurs actually do that and regret it. Doesn't mean it can't work out, but it was distracting. It took too much of their attention. What I would like is you've discovered a formula, you know, which of the local markets are for sure. You seem fairly confident about that. I would rather see you open all those locations, say three or four locations as you can afford them and do a franchise on maybe one of those as an experiment uh, to see how you like the franchise model. Uh, I, one other thing which I don't know, I know on the companies that wanted to go overseas, there was less red tape going overseas for opening a franchise than it was locally, which you have to be careful about. You have to really make sure everything's uh, perfect in perfect order, but you're very organized. I can tell that by the way you think, all right? Uh, but uh, I, I think that was easier and lured people into going overseas. So I would say, again, the overseas thing, it's hard to expand on if you have a hit. What are you going to go to 15 countries and find 15 partners? But if you're in your local market, you can find 15 partners pretty easily, you know, especially if you're sure of the location, you know how to choose locations. So what about opening your second, third, fourth store locally and really having a winning formula financially that makes it very lucrative as a franchise, because what you would build then is a, a very valuable business beyond the sales. You can multiply out very quickly, but I don't think you should even make that decision until you have two or three stores under your belt. See how you like being a, a store-owned business you know, where, where you own it, you control it, because once you bring in other partners, you choose some that are great, you'll make your mistakes choosing some that are not so great and see that store go under. And then what do we do now? So I, I do think you've had tremendous success on the run. You've done everything on the run, which means you are very capable of making and meeting change. Boy, what a wonderful card that is for the future. But I'd like to see you have a longer running success with one or two stores anyway, and see how it is to manage two stores at once, which is a little more complicated than one. I remember when I opened yes. my first West Side office, it was in Manhattan, it was only a mile away, but it was different working with a manager and the hours and making sure the staffing and a different taste level. And I had to do some learning quickly, uh, but it wasn't as easy as yes. I anticipated. But by the time I opened three, I had a formula. I could bang them out like cookies, you know? I kind yes. of discovered all the problems. So, uh, so what do you think about uh, just doing a bang up job on the one you have in hand 
opening another one as quickly as you can? And how quickly does a financial partner say you're able to do that? Curious. So if we were to do it on our own, we started out with like probably 60% less capital than we should have to be at a faster like growth pace, if that makes sense. So um, it would probably be a couple years off. Also, I don't know specifically that this area is like in need of new retail. I feel like retail in Dallas is still suffering across the board um, from COVID backlash. It started to get better and then Omicron kind of just smacked it back down. Yeah, so we're still like climbing back up from that. that. You've proven by, uh, by your actual store that that's really not the case for you in that store. Or do you feel uh, like it's smacked down, so to speak? So it you. varies each month. So we have, and we um, luckily, knowing that this is a tourism area, we knew we were going to have really high months and then not so high months. Mm -hmm. um, so our average is absolutely where we want it. It's great. Um, so we're really proud of that. But the reason why the overseas opportunity um, was so bright and shiny and sexy, as you would say, um, is that it's an isolated market and that they have a desire for the brands and are seeking them out and aren't able to get them. Uh -huh. And then the, the proposal, the person giving the proposal um, regularly opens businesses in the area. Oh, you mean it's someone experienced, not just somebody like you who wants to have a shop? Yes. No, no, no. It's somebody with... Um, some gas behind them, so to okay. speak. That's interesting. Maybe it's worth a shot, but how much of your attention time would it take? Your because you're the gold in your business. You pay, you spend a minute you. or two or ten minutes on something else. It's you're giving your gold to somebody else. How much time would you have to spend to actually affect that? You have any sense of it? So I would be moving to that location for about six months, um, and my business partner just left her full time job. Um, and she works in the store a good bit too, like every weekend. Um, and she's just as good in store as behind the scenes, if you can believe it. No, um, I, I, let me wonderful. You so I'd have a hard time believing that because usually someone who's very good with numbers and finance and is that side of your business doesn't have the personality to drive sales, uh, build loyalty, uh, be the smiley face on the front of your business, which you definitely are. Are you sure she's good at, as good at that as you? It's very unusual to find people like that. I'm yes, she's an absolute unicorn. She's an absolute unicorn. And, and um, she's always worked in the business on weekends and then on weekdays as she can. Um, but she's been full time with her position. But when we watch the numbers, I mean, she does just as well as I do. Um, and our top sales associate. Wow. I mean, she is uh, truly a unicorn in the way that we work together. So symbiotic and um, intuitive. Like we, it, it is a very great partnership. So um, I don't feel like I would be jeopardizing the Dallas store by leaving it because it would be gaining so much brand awareness. Um, mm, I'm not sure I agree with that. that answers the question. I think you underestimate yourself, honestly. Um, listen, what does she think about you going overseas? Does she like that idea of losing you as a partner for six months physically? She doesn't like the idea of losing me for six months, but she understands that for somebody to be able to learn how to do what I do and how I do it, it would take that amount of time for me to teach it. So we would try to strategize the time where I'm overseas to where it would be the least impactful um, for the Dallas store and make sure that we were prepared on the front end in terms of marketing and social media and everything that the Dallas store needed to let me ask, run like the well-oiled Let me ask you an alternative question. If you didn't have that international opportunity, 
right? Leave it aside for a moment. What would you and your partner do with, she quit her full-time job. She's full-time like you now. Would you open another store in your area? What would you do with it right now if you didn't have the international? Not immediately because with the growth pace of this area, we know within the next three to five years, it will at least quadruple in size in terms of restaurants and retailers. Um, and naturally that'll bring foot traffic up. Like if you Google things to do in Dallas, Bishop Arts pops up number one on every site. So we get the so much tourism. I mean, on a random Saturday, we probably have 150 people walk through the doors um, and your other hours. locations I mean, that you've, the, the other locations you've earmarked, do they have like 80% of what the Bishop has to draw attractive or 100% or 50%? Are they as juicy or have you landed on the single best one? Right, right now. I think we've landed on the single best one, but I would say that there are two or three areas in Dallas that are 80% more established and have less vacant, like they have less vacancies. But what I will say is that they're all big box retailers that have trained people. You know, it's like um, I run to West Village to get my lip gloss from Sephora and then I get straight back in my car and I leave. It's not a walkable area, which with our niche boutique, people have to run into us organically um, because they don't know to search athleisure boutique near me because it's not a concept that really existed. Okay. I'm gonna, in a brick and mortar form. I'm going to tell you what I would do if it were my business, which you can listen to and totally ignore. Okay. This would be my plan. I won't. I wouldn't sell the truck which you mentioned earlier. We already did. Oh, you already did? Maybe you could find a new yes. one. Yes. Uh, I think the truck is golden and I'll tell you why. Because you say you have high months, lower months. Uh, it, it, it webs your business a bit, right? Um, I would have that truck out on my slow months doing exactly what you did before that got you through the COVID, through COVID, you know? I wouldn't, I think that's ingenious because it gives you uh, flexibility to go out and find your customers and your sales versus being locked inside retail. I offer as example, uh, Cousins Maine Lobster, if not for their trucks during COVID, uh, their business wouldn't have doubled and they did. And it wasn't the restaurants that doubled the business. They were locked in and customers weren't coming, but they started lending trucks, buying more trucks so they could roll their wheels to the customer and park in giant parking lots where customers felt comfortable with enough distance between the cars. Uh, they were in uh, homeowners associations selling their lobster rolls all the time. And they were able to double their business because of their flexibility. If they had gone in, which they wanted to do much a few years ago, into a model where they just had brick and mortar, uh, they would have been sitting ducks. It wouldn't have happened. They maybe totally. perhaps would have gone out of business. Uh, you've used the truck uh, to go out to business. You've used the truck to do market research. Uh, you've, uh, you've used the truck tremendously. I don't see why that isn't a side of your business and could bring you uh, other inroads in. That being said, I want to tell you one of the downside to not opening a shop or waiting a few years to a market till a market develops. When the market develops, so does the landlord. So does the length of the lease. So does the monthly rent. And you might look back in just two years and say, gee, I wish we had gotten, I wish we had gotten that spot in Plano. I mean, now it's almost untouchable because we still have a very weak real estate uh, commercial sector of the market, which you could take advantage of. You know, you could get the three-year term where maybe next time you're going to have to get a 10-year term, you're going to have to pay more rent. I think if I were you, 
if it was my business, I would tell the, the person who's excited about you going overseas, can we let you know in six months and revisit it? I would slam all my energy with your partner who newly is in it full time and see how much of a one-in-one -one can equal three between the, the two of you versus running out, running out of town on her. You don't think you're valuable to that business, but I'm going to tell you, you're the steam engine. And when I... At one time in my juncture, I wanted to open the downtown markets before all my competitors in Manhattan. And I remember I took my body and brought it downtown and sat in those offices, started managing those offices to get it up and running. I thought it was a great idea, but guess what? My uptown offices faded. I couldn't believe they faded. How did that happen? You don't know how powerful you are till you step out of something when you're an initiator in a business. And so I think your partner, from what you said, it's remarkable you found somebody with two opposite skill sets that usually don't come together. But I suspect you're underestimating your power within that business. And for that reason, I don't want you running out of town either. And so um, I'd rather see you open a shop as quickly as you can as your God in your local area, improving that you have a franchise model, you have a partnership model that can swing, you know, and make money, both of them. And that gives you so many opportunities, more than the overseas market will give you right now. And I just believe they're not going to go anywhere else. They're going to still be around in six months or a year. If you just say, hey, listen, we're not ready yet. Can yeah. I do it in six months? I think you need more time and more traction doing what you're doing. And this market, as we know it, is going to blow open. It has been blowing open. And so it would be yeah. a shame if you weren't in the front of that parade to grab a hold of that as it develops in your Texas market, you know? Yes, no, that, that makes perfect sense. Thank you so much for explaining the like why behind um, that thought process. Yes, and it might not be your own and do what you want because one thing I've learned about every great entrepreneur is they do listen for advice and get ideas from everywhere and then they do exactly as they please. <laughs> Let's take a short break to talk about a company I love. Now let's get back to the show. Good morning from Alaska, Ms. Corcoran. I have a question here. I've got a small business uh, with a few thousand sales over the past couple of years. I have the inventory. I'm uh, looking at a couple uh, custom print filers uh, with the uh, Goddess Acrylics Nail uh, Corporation that I'm currently working with now. It's a small business, nothing much. And I'm also wondering, uh, my question for you is, uh, how should I reach out to get offline and uh, into brick and mortar? And my name is Trevor Mott, and I look forward to hearing from you if you do return my call. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. I would like you to tell me, if you wouldn't mind, a little bit more about the business you are actually in. You said you had a couple of custom print flyers with the Goddess Acrylics Nail Corporation, and the, and the names confuse me. What do you actually produce, and who's this nail corporation? How does that factor in? Well, we actually negotiate with Alibaba, and uh, we have a couple different wow. suppliers uh, from on there. Mm -hmm. And so we get uh, large variations of products. So we get uh, glitter. We get like some sprinkles on the side. It's like a mix of glitters and shavings. And we also get a clear coating powder. And all that goes into a custom blend, which creates a goddess acrylics powder itself. Okay. I'm, I'm even more confused now, honest to God. So let me ask you. <laughs> <laughs> it just it, it sounds a lot more complicated than it really is. Yeah, I'm sure it's simple, but it's just language I'm not familiar with. Uh, what's so actually uh, pretend I'm your customer. What would you sell me right now? What's your actual product and why is it different? Forget about the Alibaba piece right now. 
Yeah. Well, the actual product is it's for flair. It's for design. It's uh, so the, the typical textile that's available in stores now is like a what they call a, a nude palette or nude palette or something. It's and a more like there, Trevor, skims, the like typical the typical textile in store. What is it? A, is it is it fabric that you sell or is it a paper poster? Well, it's, I'm missing the basic here. Yeah. Get, correct. It's not a fabric, but I mean, it's something to comp hold up, you know, to the light and compare it to, uh, so to speak. You know, it, there's a bunch of different uh, paints out there that people yes. can use on their nails, right? And so oh, uh, we just sell a, a nail paint. Oh, so, okay. I was missing the keyword nail. So you make a product to go on women's nails. Correct. Yes. Terrific. Now I'm coming closer. Okay. And the product that you make to go on women's nail, is it a nail polish? Something that would be used as a nail polish for women? That's exactly what it is. Wow. That's exactly what it is. Except the polish is not uh, as fine and it's not as liquid. So it's powder based. So there's uh, two different coating applications that go into it to give it that fine polished look. I see. And does it have a design element that's unusual in terms of coloring, glitter, sparkles, the things you were just referencing a moment ago? Thankfully, uh, because everything is custom made and handcrafted and selected in home, you know, in, it works uh, with what we have in-house is, you know, we're so blessed. We're so lucky to have really just, uh, you know, the creativity to really, uh, you know, dig in and make these personalized, you know, gifts to people. And it's, wow. it's really just what we do. I see. So the typical user for your product would be a woman sitting at home that wants something extremely special for her nails and you have the ability to deliver something truly unique. We do. We do definitely because like I said, not the fabrics, but the paint that's available uh, to women that's for their nails. It's mm -hmm. all generic. You know, there's not really much out there with flavor or style or, you know, flair even, you know, anything mm -hmm. that they want to add, you know, to their collection. Mm -hmm. There's just not much out there. And then even with COVID, I know there's uh, like my sister right now, she's like in similar to what's a charter school. And, you know, when the girls have parties, you know, they want new things to do. The moms are looking for things to do. They want you know, something to gather around and the children are looking to get involved too. Oh. And so something that is brought to the table is, you know, this goddess acrylics things because you can lay it out also on a sheet and you can take the acrylic and you can just put it out as powder on the table and you can have the kids one at a time, just kind of like finger painting and take the back of their nail and just with the uh, coating applied to it and just roll it over. Like, you know, they're getting fingerprinted just, you know, oh. on the other side on the nail and they press it down, they roll it back and forth and it's a fun time. And it's a nice, easy cleanup because you can just put, you know, a sheet underneath like a parchment paper or something like that and just fold it up and done afterwards. And it's incredibly simple. Great job selling. May I ask you, is it, uh, does it last beyond the day? Do you peel it off? What happens after the party's over? Well, that all depends on how long uh, they want the coating or how much they're in love with the color or how well they think the uh, application represents their needs. And, and so- if, And if it did, if I, I had my nails done and it's a bright pink and I'm just loving it and it's got polka dots, do I have the option to just wash my hands, shower, bathe as usual and leave that coating on like I would a nail polish? I don't believe so. Uh, I myself, I haven't used the product. So I don't paint my nails that often and I'm not familiar um, with all types of nails. I do know that if, uh, depending on what it's infused with, the oils 
uh, back in the salon, you know, then it can take longer to dry or depending on the amount of paint that's applied, it gives it more of a glossy or a dull or have more pop depending on, you know, what it's mixed with. Could it be used over polish in a professional salon? Over we sell to polish? professional salons. Is that your main customer or is it more do it your home, do it yourself at home? Right now, our main customers are private uh, salon dealers, I guess like personal dealers at home, people who manage their own clients. Maybe they, during COVID, you know, um, when business was slow or people who work odd hours maybe, mm -hmm. or something of that nature. I'm thinking um, <clears throat> it's what led to this like really uh, uptick really in sales that we're seeing. And so uh, we've got a few, two bestseller products on Etsy right now. Uh, the Etsy is recognized as, you know, the two of their best products available throughout the entire store in the beauty and sales category. Wow, that's quite an accomplishment. How much do you sell on Etsy? We do a few thousand jars a year. And you sell each jar for how much? How much? Um, they range. Uh, they start at about uh, six bucks and then a whole pallet can go up to 200. 250, wow. uh, depending on the size and how many columns they're asking for and the size of the jars and uh, the custom and uniqueness that goes into it. And if I were to say to you, how much in total product sales you have on Etsy, what would you answer? And in the last year, would you say? I think it's right on the headline on Etsy. I haven't been on it though, to be honest. I mean, that's my wife's thing. She's all, she works the thing. And um, I think I think on Etsy, she has her own uh, personal website as well. But I think on Etsy, she's got um, 4,000 sales year to date, 3,000. And you said they range anywhere from six, $6 to 200. So that could be anything, right? Either way, could by anyone's standard, it's successful. If it's a headliner on Etsy in the beauty category, it's a headliner. And so it's successful. Would you say, is your wife happy with the success? Are you making a living selling, selling all of your product or is it a side venture? This is far from a living. No, yeah, we're we're able to maybe like <laughs> you didn't have to say that emphatically. Dry. For gosh sakes, I feel like oh. I want to send you some food. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're handling things in stride. Yeah, uh, we try. To, I try to go liquid with like an electro bargain type deal, like an early Amazon airdrop in like 2011, like through Facebook, and that didn't go as planned. Okay. I've been digging myself at it. Yeah, that's a a whole can of worms. Mess. He's still digging out of the hole, right? Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's and is this your wife's main business? Is it full-time? Is it your full-time business? or is it No, she's got a full-time job. That's, that's not a, I'm just doing this right now for her. I just, uh, you know, she goes online and does this stuff all the time. Okay. And I got on to the, to the um, <clears throat> system here. And as I, I wrote down some things and I'm familiar, I was a future business leader of America, so to speak, oh. uh, in my school. I went to DECA and all this stuff, went to competitions, you know, with uh, my school, the Mad Hatters, Go Hatters, uh, you know, went down to Disneyland, went to Florida. And, wow. you know, we compete there every year, top competitors every year. You mean with this product? Oh, no, my high school is. Oh, your high school. Yeah, I thought so. Is this your, are you living your dream? Is this your big product or is this something you're helping your wife out with? I'm not sure. how. No, my wife, this is my wife's dream. My wife has always been driven to, yeah, to accomplish something. She's been, you know, she's well-driven, you know, she's incredibly focused. She has a passion oh. and, you know, it, it hasn't always been the easiest, you know, thing for her to, to do. And she's needed some support. Okay. And so, you know, she really wants to make something of herself. So I, I feel like I'm talking behind your wife's back. I wish she was on the call because that would be more useful. Oh, yeah. She's got a job. 
She's working. She got a job. <laughs> hey, that's all right. She's 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 getting every everyone fed in the house, taken care of. Right. That's important. That's correct. Uh, but is she so? How far away is she from making this a full time job, or is that not even her dream? Maybe she wants it as a side venture, or does she want to make it a a, a big job and a killing? She's definitely incredibly 100% invested in this thing. She wants it badly. And, you know, she really wants everything to do with it. She wants goddess acrylics to be everywhere. But realistically, she'd be so happy if, you know, this is what she could do for a full-time job. You know, it'd be her dream to have this thing blow up and explode all over the, you know, United States and even go global. Okay, and however, why if it's such an unusual product, it's hard for me to judge. But from what you're saying, it sounds like it it could get the traction to go there. But would she have to do 10, 20 times the sale she's doing now or two times the sale? How close is she to having it be her main baby? I I mean, uh, what part of it? A hundred times the sales, Barbara. She's got to do a thousand oh. times, a so million times it. the sales, Barbara. Oh, so she's got the running start. Okay. So what question could I answer for you as the rep of your wife? <laughs> that would be helpful because I'm not sure what you're looking for me. I mean, I could give you my opinion that it sounds like a remarkable product. I could give you my opinion I, that to sell to professional salons would be a good way to explode sales because of their heavy use. I could say that perhaps uh, the main uh, purpose of it is to use it as a uh, do-it-yourself home product with a demographic of younger girls. I don't really know. I would think you have to try it all on to see where where it hits. You know, I, I bet there's still a lot you could try to see if it's successful. Uh, but how could I be most helpful to you? Really, I was just looking for you know, advice, you know, what would you do? Where would you go if you were trying to navigate here? I know, I'm not I'm sure if you've ever been to Alaska, but it's not necessarily, you know, like a borough, you know, it's, it's called that, you know, out where I am in Matsu, but it's, it's different than the city. You know, I can't put boots to pavement and really get around town the way I could if I was in the United part of the States. Now, that's not to say there's nothing restricting me from working myself up to a point where I can get a ticket and make my way to America. But for you what? Know, I'm not sure what that would accomplish. That would, would not be first on my list at all. What would be first on my list is uh, marketing through social media and uh, having the, the skill set to really slam that home. How, how conversant are you in social media? Are you a good marketer? Have you had that experience? Does your wife have that experience? I think that's where the battle's to be won right there. Online. I do not have media. the patience. You don't have the patience. So you're the Barbara, wrong guy. I do not have the patience. Barbara. That's good that you admit it. What about your wife? Barbara. Does she have the talent for marketing? I don't know. Online? She could. I think uh, she she probably needs the coaching. She's she's great on the computer. She's incre- When it comes to technology, I call myself illiterate. I don't know, especially for my age. I'm 29 years old. I don't know how to handle the thing. Do you have another job other than assisting your wife here? No, I don't have a job. Yeah. Okay. All right. Here's what I would do if I was your wife, because it's her business, right? And you're dedicated to her, which is great to help her. A lot of men would not want to do that. If I were your wife, I'd tell you to go out and get a job right away. Okay. To take the pressure off me as a breadwinner. 
I would have you out getting any old job. Uh, you have great potential. You know, you're the entrepreneur all through high school. Those things aren't, uh, don't happen unless you have a gift for winning it. Okay. So you have certain gifts, but in the meantime, uh, till you discover your own gift or what you really want to do, I would, if I were your wife, tell you to go out and just get a job, any old job, bring in the, bring in the bacon baby. That would take the pressure off your wife. If she's the breadwinner and she's doing this dream on her side, uh, that would be the best thing you could do to help her uh, reach her dream. I think the missing ingredient for the entire business uh, that will hold it back if you don't fill the spot is having someone who really knows how to market on social media. I think you could buy it, pay for it, maybe with the income that you make, she could afford that on the side, you know? But I think that's really the kind of partner you need in this kind of a business. Somebody who lives and breathes social media and makes the goddess acrylics the craziest, most fun thing to ever happen to young girls, just salons. That it's going to take a lot to build a brand, even if it's a phenomenal product. I mean, it's almost more important that you know how to build the brand than it does that you have a good product. I've seen a lot of success happen with mediocre products in the hands of a great social media expert. Okay. Uh, someone who really knows how to sell online. I think that's your number one missing piece. No, that's your number two missing piece. The first missing piece is you should be out with a job right away. Any old job, just get the cash coming in. And then you and your wife will have more options. She's probably exhausted, exhausted by her dream, exhausted by doing it on the side and exhausted by working all day. You know, so that would be, uh, my suggestions. And I think the idea of doing brick and mortar is crazy. Why would you open a brick and mortar store on a niche product when there's a million businesses out there that could take advantage of your product? It's a faster way to grow by a thousandfold. The reason we really wanted to get into brick and mortar is for the whole NFT thing is also to venture off with goddess acrylics and then also try to bring it really into 2022, like really ramp it up all the way. Like even if we, put it in Seattle, Silicon Valley, you know, I'm not sure oh, what venture capitalist is. Right, exactly. I'm not really sure who's ever going to really go down that road and get involved in everything like that. Yeah, and it's very complicated. Uh, you know what you have to focus on? Having a big success in your hand, which means sales, right? And once you have gigando sales in your hand, you could apply it if you're into, into NFT, sure. If venture capitalists, if you have big bottom lines, sure, they might be interested, but it's got to be a really big business, okay? Get a partner invest, possibly, but you need the sales. Uh, you need the volume. You need the sales, the bottom line, okay? That opens up a million doors. Which way do you want to go, on? Fully understand. You, you know, but it's like jumping to Z before you're taking care of B. You got an A, you want to move to B, then C, then D. Uh, but you want to like dream about the Z, nothing wrong with dreaming about it, but it's a waste of time to dream about the long shot when you could be spending your time on how do I solve the problem to get from A to B. And uh, I made my best suggestions as to how that might happen. I think that's where you should focus, you know? Yeah. Okay. I wish I could be more helpful. I probably didn't tell you what you wanted to hear, but that's actually how I feel. Greatly appreciate uh, your advice, Barbara. Thank you very much for having me on the show I and even taking my call. Hey, some of my best questions, honest to God, come into my Business Unusual Facebook group. 
I'm going to answer those questions today. We're going to try it rapid fire style, 30 seconds or less. And by the way, if you're interested in business, don't miss my Business Unusual Facebook group. We have the coolest conversations going on there. I'm learning more from people than they're learning from me. Rupresh has a question. When is bootstrapping a business a bad idea? Hey, listen, it's never a bad idea, but it's always a bad idea to borrow money with a rare exception. Let me tell you, when you're using your own money, every dime is worth 50 cents. Every 50 cents is worth a buck. You're careful with what you spend. You stretch every dollar. Always bootstrap your business. Tina's question is, would you suggest a startup company find the unique selling point and market niche from the beginning, or should you find it along the way? Well, of course, you have to go broad to find out what your sweet sauce is, what your magic is. So go broad, and in going through this and that and the other thing, you find out where you should focus. And that's all we have time for today. If you have a question, leave me a voicemail on the Business Unusual hotline, 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. You can also tweet it to me at Barbara Corcoran, and I may just answer it on a future episode. You've been listening to Business Unusual with me, Barbara Corcoran. Come back next week to hear more steps and missteps I took on the path to success. Search and follow Business Unusual on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.